0: Um, I want to start um, on on a topic: the mind of Christ. And it will probably be a series because, um, as I was working on it, the Lord kept on slowing me down. And um, so I want to I want to share around this concept of having the mind of Christ. Philippians 2 verse 5 says the following, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. Uh, The NIV puts it this way, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Um, Beginning to think the way Jesus thinks. Having the same mind as Christ, the same mindset in living our lives. One of the key defining aspects of Christianity is not only faith in Christ, but becoming a disciple of Jesus. Um, A disciple is someone that through a relationship with the master, start to do and live the way he lives through following his teaching and his example. So so in this relationship with the master, following his teaching and his example, we start to live the way he lives. And for that to happen, we need to think the way he thinks. And, and, And that's why the word of God is so powerful, because it gives us insight into the mind of Christ, into the mind of God, into the will of God. And then through faith and relationship with him, we start to change the way we think. As we follow his way of life through love and obedience to his word and spirit, we are being changed into his likeness. I mentioned to my my eldest daughter, you know, it's so interesting that initially Christians were called the followers of the way. And they were following the way of Christ because it was so different. So they were called the followers of the way. And, and, and later on, as they were following it so closely, they became known as Christians. Little Christs. And that's really what we are called to. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus calls all of us very powerfully. Like he called his first disciples. He says, Come. Follow me. And so part of being a Christian is not just believing that Jesus is the son of God, but actually following him as the son of God. And in that process, being discipled by him to be changed, to become like him. And then of course he commands us. He commands us as disciples to then go and make more disciples. And that's the great commission in in Matthew 28, where Jesus said, Behold, all authority in heaven and earth had been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. It's very important. Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the very end of age. So it's very powerful to see that we are not just called to be a disciple. We are also called to make a disciple. And in one sense, it is, it is a, a privilege, but also a great responsibility for, for me to make a disciple of Jesus. First of all, I need to know Jesus. And then I need to follow him. You know, like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And so we are all called to become disciples so that we can make disciples. So we have Jesus as our savior, the one who saved us, but we also have Jesus as the, our lord, the one we follow. That's why Jesus is both lord and savior. He is our savior, but he's also our lord. He's the one that follows us, and that's often the dividing Line between a nominal Christian and a disciple of Jesus. One who believes that Jesus is the son of God and the other that follows him. There's a big difference between the two. A relationship with Christ leads to transformation. It leads to a change that takes place in the way we think, in the way we act, and and, and what we live for. It's very powerful that as we continue in this relationship with Jesus, how we are meant to change... Completely, and, and and so it's about this transformation of becoming the the theological word sanctification, where we are becoming more like Christ. Now this process starts, and it ends. It starts with faith, and it ends when we see Him one day. Face to face. That what is still incomplete will be completed. The day we see him face to face. But it starts, this process of transformation starts with faith. It starts with faith very powerfully in who Jesus is. Becoming a disciple of Jesus starts with faith in who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? It's the most important question. (laughs) Who is Jesus? Was he a good man? Was he a great teacher? Or was he the son of God? Now, without going into that too much, you know, I think it was um, Josh McDowell that wrote the book, More Than a Carpenter, um, who actually said, you know, many people say Jesus was a good man. But he says, that is not true. Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, or he said he was the son of God. But you cannot say he was simply a good man. Because if Jesus was not the son of God, he was a liar because he told everybody he was. Or he was a lunatic that he actually thought he was the son of God, but he wasn't. But you cannot say he was simply a good man. He was either a liar or a lunatic, or he was the son of God. And that's the reality. That is where discipleship starts. is with faith that Jesus was not just a good man. But he was indeed the son of God. That is where it all starts. And that has massive implications. If that is true. The way I relate to him is completely different to a philosopher or a good man. You know. Here in in Matthew 16, from verse 13 to 18, we read the following. When when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea and Philippi, um, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so they said, Well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then he said to them, But who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Who's Jesus? Very interesting. Later on, Jesus continued and said, but on this, well, let's read it. He said, blessed are you, Simon Peter, for flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And I also say to you, you are Peter and on this rock I will build, on this revelation, blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who are in heaven. And on this revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. On this revelation that I am the Son of God, I will build my church. And, and so this is where it all begins. Our faith in who Jesus is. It is the foundation of our faith. You know, as, 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 as we read, you know, I don't have the scripture there, but in, in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who is Jesus? He is God. He's the Word of God, the mystery of the Trinity. It was there in the beginning. Everything that was made was made through Him. And then later on, we see, and the Word became flesh. The incarnation, God becoming man, Emmanuel, God with us. Very powerful. Our faith in who Jesus is, the Son of God, is the foundation of our faith. In that same chapter from verse 10, we read, And and he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him. To them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. You see, it is at the point of accepting that Jesus is indeed the son of God. That salvation takes place. The born again experience where Jesus said to Nicodemus, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Because whatever is born of flesh is flesh. But whatever is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Therefore do not marvel if I say to you, you must be born again. It is that point of accepting that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. And He came to save me and I surrender my life to Him. That is where transformation starts. Where we are born again and we become spiritually reborn and we become a new creation. It starts all in our faith in who Jesus is. It's a very powerful spiritual transformation those who believe and receive him as the christ and john further on we read the very next verse we read and the word became flesh god who is spirit became flesh and dwelled amongst us and so powerfully and we beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, the, the the mystery of the Trinity continues in the mystery of the incarnation, where God, who is spirit, became flesh and dwelled amongst us. Where, where, where Moses said to God, show me your glory. And God said, no, I can't. And then God became man. And we beheld the glory of God. And this is where I want to pause for a moment. Verse 18 says, No one has ever seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he, he has declared him. Very powerfully. No one has ever seen God, but Jesus came. To us. To reveal who the father is. As I was reading this with some friends. It struck me again. We were reading Colossians 1 verse 15. It says. He Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Just want you to think about that for a moment. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. You know how many conversations I've had with people who question the character of the invisible God. How can a loving God, and you can fill in the blank. People who question the character and the nature of an invisible God with an accusation that he is evil and cruel. And so often we try to answer that. Or sometimes the, 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 the position of the question is from the why. Why is world, the world in the state it is? Why does God allow it to be? Questioning his character and accusing him of being cruel and unthoughtful. Unmerciful. What I've realized what is so powerful is, we sometimes try to answer that from our own limited understanding. But the answer to who is the invisible God is Jesus. Instead of trying to give him the answers of the why that we do not have, or try to defend the character of God, we should simply point them to Jesus. Do you want to know who God is? Look at Jesus. Look at his life. Look at his love, his compassion, his mercy, his grace. Look how he dealt with suffering, rejection. Look how he overcame. It doesn't give the answer to all the wise. But it does give the answer to his character. Who is the invisible God? Look at Jesus. And you will find your answer. He is the image of the invisible God. Emmanuel, God with us, came to reveal who the Father is. What was he like? What was Jesus like when he was here amongst us? How did he deal with suffering? What was he living for? What was this Jesus like when, when he was amongst us? When, when people accuse the invisible God, the answer is Jesus. I'm mindful of Jesus' words when the Jews wanted to kill him in John 10 verse 31. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him and Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? When I hear the accusations against God and you put Jesus before them, you can ask the same question. Jesus came to reveal the Father to us through his life. In John 14 verse 8, you know, Philip, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever sees me sees the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? And the words that I say to you, the words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me. Does this works. Believe me. That I am in the father and the father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. Who is this invisible God? Look at Jesus. Jesus is not only God. He came to reveal God. That's why Jesus said. In verse 6. I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the first step to transformation is to believe and accept who Jesus is. That he is indeed the Christ, the Savior, the Son of God. If that is true, therefore, his words... (laughs) Is true. His words is life. Because he is life. That's what John, John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. Everything that was made, it was made through him. And in him was life and that life was the light of men. And the light shines into the darkness and darkness cannot overcome it. If Jesus is the son of God, then his words is true. And they are life. I don't need to understand it before I believe it. I first need to believe where Jesus said it. And sometimes we first want to understand it before we believe it. But it's not so complicated. If Jesus is the son of God, then his words are true. Whether I understand it or not, it doesn't matter. I just need to embrace it. Accept it. That's where it starts. In John 6, when everybody was offended because of Jesus' words. When Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And everybody was offended because they couldn't understand. The word of God says, many of his disciples said, this is a hard saying. (laughs) Who can understand it? And then verse 66, and many of his disciples followed him no longer because it was just too hard to understand it was just too difficult and then he turned to his 12 and i mentioned it often and jesus asked him do you also want to leave me and then simon peter's answer here in verse 68 and simon peter answering lord to whom shall we go you have the words of eternal life and we've come to know and believe that you are the son of god the christ the son of the living god That is where it starts. My faith that Jesus is the Son of God. Therefore, His words are the words of eternal life. Because He came to bring life. Eternal life. This is very important. Then, once that is settled in my heart, that Jesus is God, I can believe His words. I can accept them. I can accept His words and believe in it. Jesus prays for his disciples in John 16, and he says, "I for I have given them the words speaking to the Father. I have given them the words that you have given me. I have given them the words that you have given me. And they have received him. And have come to know in truth. How powerful is that? That I come from you. And they have believed that you have sent me. He continues on in verse 17. He says sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. This brings us to the next step of transformation, accepting God's word as truth. This changes the way we think. When we accept that God's word is true, it changes the way we think. And when we think differently, we start to act differently. Change of thought leads to change of actions, and change of actions leads to change of habits, and that's transformation. That—that's the miracle of seeing a sinner becoming a saint. You know, I—I I, I had the privilege to get to know Solly Stachi, one of the great gangsters in the Cape Flats, who got saved. He was a violent, cruel man with great reputation. Even after his salvation, when I walked with him in the town, in the, in the coloured communities, everybody would that's like the Red Sea. <laughs> but he changed. He became—he 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 became a saint. He kind of man that loved and forgave. He, he even learned to turn the other cheek. I remember when he was finally sent to prison for murder. He told me, you know, Andres, I actually didn't kill this man. But I killed so many others, I deserve this. So I won't fight it. A change of mind leads to a change of actions. <laughs> Needs to change of a habit. And that's a transformed life. That is why repentance is so central to salvation. The Greek word for repentance literally means a change of thought. A 180 degree change of the way you think. You used to think like the world and therefore you acted like the world. Now repentance is to change the way you think so that you can start to act differently to the world. The change of mind leads to a change of action. Some change of thoughts that takes place is, is the fact that you cannot save yourself. You need a savior. And Christ is the only savior. It's a powerful change of thought. You are no longer Lord of your own life, but Christ is now Lord of all. You no longer belong to yourself, but you belong to God. You no longer live for yourself, you live for God. You're no longer a slave to sin. You are free from the power of sin. You're no longer hopeless. You now have a future and a hope in God. You're no longer alone. God lives within you. Somebody said you, you, you no longer need to worry about life. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It's a change of thinking that leads to a change of action. It's kind of a reasoning there taking place. Why do you worry about life? Look at the field. Look at the birds. God knows what you need. Seek him first and all these things. It's a change of thinking. That will lead to a change of action. But if you don't believe what Jesus said, you're never going to get to living like that. You're no longer alone, God lives within you. Your treasure and your reward is no longer in this world. With its temple, where moth and rust destroy and thief breaks in and steal. Your treasure is no longer here. It is in eternity waiting for you. Powerful change of thought. And so one can go on in, in different things that, that God reveals to us. That Jesus declares to us. If we accept it, it changes the way we think. That leads to a change of action. These are powerful Christian mindsets that will change our actions ac- actions and habits. It will change our way of life. And they are completely different to the way the world thinks. They are not just opposite. They are opposing one another. They are in conflict with one another. Because it's a different way of life. That's why Jesus also prayed in John 17. He said, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of this world just as I am not of this world. We are meant to be different to the world. (laughs) As light is in the darkness. Jesus came into the world as the light of the world and then he says, now you are the light of the world. And it's not meant to be hidden. It is meant to be on a lampstand that everyone will see. Because it will point to me. (laughs) Those who are still in darkness. Romans 12, we know it so well. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed. To this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You see, we are meant to be renewed in our minds to start to live a life as living sacrifices for God, so that through our lives we are to prove to others that God's will is indeed good, acceptable, and perfect. That's what we have been called to. And in between the mindset and the living, and this is so important and it's another sermon. I'm going to end now. <laughs> it's an introduction to the mind of Christ. In between the mindset and the living, in between the mind and the action, comes obedience. Obedience. We, we are accept what Jesus said and I'm challenged by the world in my flesh and I have to be obedient. In between the mind and the living is obedience. And when we choose to do what we know is truth, there God's grace comes. And through his spirit he enables me to live the truth. To become different to this world and so so this morning i want to leave you as we start this journey on on discovering the mind of christ to start off with who is jesus who do you say he is not andris your father your friend the people but who do you say is jesus And if you accept the truth that He is the Son of God, then our response to His Word should be truth, life. The only way. Let that shape the way you read His Word. Let it shape the way you read His Word. I want to encourage you this week, start again, read the Gospels. Those red letters, who said it, was it Chris, the red letters. What did you say? What did you mean when you said what you said? Grant me the grace to do this today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Father, we want to thank you that even though you are distant and holy and different to us, and we cannot come into your presence, you came to us. Lord, you humbled yourself to become one of us, to reveal who you are to us all. Lord, thank you for living your life in such a way that we can clearly see. Thank you for granting us the privilege to to have your word, to, to, to reflect on how you lived. Thank you that we have your word that records what you said. Those words that that are spirit and life words that are true like David said sweeter than honey refreshing the soul because it's truth because it's truth there's just so much lies going about in this world so much deception But your word is truth. God, grant us to accept it. And give us the grace to live it. Thank you, God, that you came not just to give us life, but you came to give us life in abundance. It's found only in you. Help us, Lord, to follow you always. Grant us the wisdom and the understanding, Lord, as we read your word. Lord, open the eyes of our understanding that we may know it, understand it, that we may see it. Grant us the faith, Lord, to believe it and the grace to live it. Help us, Lord, to live it in such a way that people will honor you. in the way we love... In the way we serve, in the the way we give, in 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 the way we forgive. In our compassion and our mercy, Lord, may they see you. As we see you in Jesus. Lord, I ask this. As we take communion this morning, Lord. If you yearn you to not have a cup, please raise your hand, somebody will come and bring you one. Just keep it raised until somebody do. Lord, thank you that we can come to you as the living bread. And we can eat your flesh and drink your blood so that we may have your life. It's a mystery, but yet we believe it's true. So, Lord, we thank you for this bread that is your body that was broken for us. And as we eat it, we may have life in you. Let's eat together. Thank you for this cup and the blood that it represents. It is the seal of the new covenant. Our faith in you, our faith in your sacrifice, our faith in your word that says that this sacrifice is sufficient for all my sin. And that through drinking this, I am forgiven justified and redeemed because of what you have done for me let's drink this together Lord. as we confess that we accept and believe in your words Lord and I pray that you'll help us to accept and believe in your other words also and live it with the same faith As we do this morning, we thank you for this. Maybe while the eyes are closed, if if you are here this morning and you've never surrendered your life to God, or you feel you're far away, and you want to return to Him, and be sure, I want to give you an opportunity just where you are. Jesus said that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. You will be saved and even if you fall and turn away, if you confess him, repent of your sin and ask for his forgiveness, he will receive you back again. And if that is you this morning and you want to respond to God, while all the eyes are closed, I just want you to raise your hand before him. Say, God, here I am. I want to surrender my life to you. I want to give you my life. Thank you for that hand is there anyone else just between you and the Lord Lord I thank you for every heart that responds every hand that is raised in absolute faith God that is precious in your sight and eternity hangs on it thank you for this We ask you for a blessing. Thank you for that response again. Lord, I pray that you will bless that young man. That you will satisfy his desire to know you more. That you will give him not just the keys of the kingdom, but the treasures of eternity. I pray that you bless us all with that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming. There is a baptism um, at 12 o'clock. So if you have not yet been baptized, today is a good day. The sea is calm, the sun is shining. If you postpone, it might be rough and in rain. I have been there too. Believe me, today is a good day. Uh, we want to invite you to v- to support those who are being baptized at 12 at the Old Harbor. Come and join us. We'll be there from 12 o'clock just for half an hour and then will be finished. May God bless you.